Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fucked Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. What is up, Fucto fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill. Welcome to the third episode of season seven. Hell yeah. Whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm singing. I don't know why I'm so excited. <laughs> like, literally, literally hanging on by a thread. Just kidding. No, I think, look, it's October. October is going to be my month. Well, I'm recording this in October. Again, time machine. I don't know when I'm going to be releasing this. Of course. Hold on. Remind me tomorrow. My I my laptop has been getting me to like restart it or has been attempting to get it to restart it for like the longest. But you know, I'm I'm a bad bitch. Bad bitches don't don't restart the laptop when their laptop asks them to, you know? Like we out here living lavishly, um, you know, not giving a fuck. We're we're just having a good time. I, look, it's <laughs> it's been a long week. Um, but let's get started with our updates. I turned 27. Your host, the beautiful, the amazing, the iconic, the sexy, the funny, um, the uh, the bad bitch. I, <laughs> I turned 27 years old. How crazy, insane does that sound? I do not feel 27. I don't think I look 27. Everyone always is telling me that I look younger than my age, but I think it's because I have a, a round baby face. Um, I used to kind of not, not like that because I'm like, I want to look my age. I don't want to look like a fucking child, but I I guess I'm embracing it, just embracing your faults or whatever. But yeah, I turned 27 on October 3rd. On October 3rd, he asked me what day it is. It's October 3rd. Ugh. Aaron Samuels. I think that's his name, right? For Mean Girls? I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. So it was my birthday on a Monday, but it was also uh, the stage reading for my play, Tamales de Piña. Shout out to Scripps Ranch Theater for their local flavor, uh, you know, reading opportunities. That's why my play was able to get read on stage. And honestly, I'm going to say it now. If you were in San Diego, on Monday, October 3rd, and you saw that I had a stage reading and you chose not to go, you're basically dead to me. Like, I don't make the rules. It is what it is. Because if y'all had asked me to go to something that you did, I would have pulled up. No questions asked. No fucking questions asked. So if you weren't there, you're dead to me. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Peace. Just kidding. No. I Look, it was on a Monday. It was on a Monday. It was on a Monday. Um... It's tough, right? It's tough. I, I feel like I feel like Scripps Ranch Theater fucked up in that. They should have their stage readings on another day of the week. And if they have, like, an actual show, they should just wait and do it in between shows. So, like, they could do it, like, maybe on a Friday, maybe on a Saturday. I feel like they would get more people to go. But besides the point, it was so good. It was... <sighs> Look, I, I was scared. Because 
I obviously take a lot of things from my family, not like our stories or like whatever, but like a lot of our mannerisms, a lot of things that happen to us. And I implement them into the characters that I create. And my mom was going to be at the stage reading and I was just scared. Like, how is she going to take it? You know, but she loved it. She fucking loved it. She cried. I tried not to cry, but I cried a little bit. And honestly, shout out to my makeup because my makeup still looks flawless after crying a little bit, a tiny bit. Shout out to uh, my friends that did go. Y'all are amazing. Shout out to Kelly. Shout out to Amber. Amber. Shout out to Christina. So Kelly, Amber, uh, Christina, y'all are the goats. Shout out to Vicky and Terry. I love y'all. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, it means so much. Shout out to Alyssa, a.k.a. Yaya, a.k.a. Don Chamango. Ugh, I love you all so much. And then Terry, Vicky, um, Amber, Kelly, and Christina, they came with flowers. They were so sweet. And then Kelly also got me a bottle of wine. And it was it was so good. And also shout out to Mabel for coming. I love you. And then shout out to my director. Shout out to Vanessa Duron out here. Dude, like I had never seen Vanessa in action. And wow, she was amazing as a director. If y'all needed a director for anything, hit out hit up Vanessa. She is wow. So good. And shout out to my cast. Look, a stage reading is hard because you can't actually I mean you're not you're you're acting but there's no movement like you're stagnant you're reading you're they're using one of like those music stands to to like hold the the binder with the script and then like the actors are always on stage so a lot of things a lot of the emotions is hard to portray through a stage reading but they were so good. Like the cast, I couldn't have chosen a better cast. It was, ugh. like I get emotional thinking about it, you know? And then there was a talk back afterwards. And before the talk back started, they, everyone in the audience sang happy birthday to me. And you know, it's always awkward, but I really enjoyed it. I Look, I know some people like hate when that happens, but I don't really, I really don't mind it like it's not something that I'm like oh my god that's no like that was fucking horrible no I didn't mind it I was kind of sad because my siblings were also gonna go but they were not able to get out of work early and then they had to drive like two hours over here so it was like by the time they got here it was already gonna be too late but you know it, it worked out um it was good it was good the talk back was good I got really really good feedback and I, I'm excited look I I'm not sure if an opportunity will come from this stage reading, but just getting my work out there and just having other people comment on my work and and like seeing it resonate with them. After the play, like Kelly and, and uh, Amber literally came up to me and they were like, oh, you didn't prepare us for this. Like we were literally crying in the backseat. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm so, you know, it's my first stage reading that I've got for my full length play, and it was uh, really exciting. But yeah, um, I think that's all I have to say about like personal updates. After the stage reading, me and my mom went to just go grab food. I, I mean, it was a it was a Monday. We couldn't do much, um, and then I didn't do much the rest of the week. It was pretty pretty chill vibes. 
the the weekend before I did go out all three days of, of the weekend. So I mean, I, I started October. I mean, I did start October off with a bang. But yeah, I think we could move on to our recommendations corner. Okay, so I've watched like three movies. No, wait. I think I watched another one. Oh yeah, I did watch another one. But that okay, that one was a fun one. Um so I finally I went to go so the day after my birthday, I took the day off from work because I knew I was going to be exhausted from like the experience of having my stage reading. So I took the day off and I'm like I'm going to catch the matinee show like at the movies and like, go watch Don't Worry Darling. Bro, bro. I did not see that coming, my dude. I was like, what's happening? Like, I was so confused. And then when I saw the twist, I was like, holy shit. Like, what? Like, I don't I don't want to spoil it since the movie just came out. It was good. Was the drama better than, was the drama with Olivia Wilde and the cast better than the movie? Uh... I live for the drama, but the movie was still pretty, pretty good. I do recommend it. Also, I was thinking of like, oh, I can't I came to watch Don't Worry Darling for the plot. The plot is literally Nick Kroll. <laughs> you were you were gonna you were thinking that I was gonna say fucking Harry Styles, huh? No. The plot was Nick Kroll. Why am I so attracted to Nick Kroll? It's the nose. <laughs> I'm telling you, mediocre-looking white man is my shit. Yes. Uh, what's what's the other guy's name? Uh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine is also daddy. Like I don't. Why did I say that? No, I take it back. Chris Pine is not daddy. I mean, he is. I don't know. Is he like a father? Like. <laughs> He is so fine, and he has aged mwah, beautifully. So, yeah, the plot, it was Chris Pine and fucking Nick Kroll. I don't know if it's Nick Kroll's voice. I don't know if, like, the fa- I don't know what it is about Nick Kroll, because with Chris Pine, is obvious. He's a pretty man. Nick Kroll, there's something very specific and very particular about him that I find very very attractive and I'm sad that he's off the market I'm sad that he's happily married and with a child now but I mean a girl can dream right a girl can fucking dream but yeah I watched don't worry darling it was it was a good one it was a good one definitely recommend I want I also watched the new hellraiser uh, it's on Hulu again. Hulu doing God's motherfucking work. Yeah, it was good. Look, I really like the original Hellraiser because I really like the storyline, right? Like, a uh, woman is cheating on her husband with her husband's brother. The, the brother who she's having an affair with is literally, you know, wants to... I can't explain it. If y'all seen Hellraiser, you know what it is about. And my, I thought that they were going to keep that original story and just make a complete, like, remake and just keep the original story. But, no, they switched it off. But it was good. Like, I didn't mind it. Like, it was still pretty, pretty good. It was a good cast. Um, 
yeah, I it's it's a recommend for me. If it's on the recommendation corner, it's a definite recommend for me. Am I right, dog? I'm right. I also watched, I watched this yesterday, Luckiest Girl Alive. It's on Netflix with Mila Kunis. So good, so heart-wrenching. Trigger warning for this movie, though. Huge trigger warning. Warning. Um, I I'm I'm confused because Netflix has put trigger warnings and stuff. Like I remember 13 Reasons Why they would put a trigger warning at that. And I feel like this movie needed, absolutely needed a trigger warning for uh sexual assault, um, violent, violent sexual assault, and also for uh school shootings. And they did not do that. Netflix, uh, y'all need to fire someone. Just kidding. Y'all need to, I don't know. Y'all need to just do better. <laughs> you just need to do better. Yes. Um, but it was good. It was good. Mila, wow. Someone, another person that's aging, like, fine fucking wine. Like, a red wine. Like, a fucking... Cabernet Sauvignon, like, mm, beautiful. She's amazing. She's so beautiful. I love Mila Kunis. I I feel like I'm pronouncing, I'm mispronouncing her last name, but it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So let's move on to TV show recommendations. So a friend recommended me Abbott Elementary, and I started watching it, and I'm only a few episodes in, and I think it's good. Like, the writing is pretty good. It's funny. I, I fuck with uh, Quinta. She's really funny, and the cast, ah, the cast is good. I love it. I fuck with it heavy. Um, Actually, Fern sent me a DM through Instagram. Shout out to Fern. She was like, have you started watching Midnight Club? And if y'all remember, I've talked about Midnight Club, and it's one of uh, Mike Flanagan's projects, and it just dropped on Netflix. I have, Fern, this is my response to you. I haven't started watching it by the time I'm recording this, but today I'm recording this on a Sunday, Sunday, October 9th. Maybe after House of Dragon, I'll, I'll I'll switch over to Netflix and turn on Midnight Club. I'm excited, look. I fuck with, uh, as you all know, I fuck with Mike Flanagan heavy, like hella heavy. So it's going to be good. I, I trust that white man with my life. Like if Mike Flanagan told me to jump off a cliff, I would be like, bet, sir. <laughs> Just my mom would be like, I raised you better than this. But I'm excited for that. And of course, I'm excited for House of Dragon. Uh, it actually starts in eight minutes, so I'll probably like pause and then come back and record the rest of the episode once it starts. Bro, today's gonna be like the longest episode of House of Dragon, and shit is about to get real because there's another time jump when like their kids, like Allison and Rainier's kids, are are older. Shit's about to get hectic, my dude. Hectic. And yeah, still watching House of Dragons, still watching Handmaid's Tale. Bro, Handmaid's Tale. I'm telling you, Luke is a ride or die. Fuck that other fool. Fuck Nick. He ain't a ride or die like that. He ain't. He ain't. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. 
Uh, but I think that's all I have for recommendation corners and updates and everything. Um, so let's get started with today's episode. Episode three of American Horror Story is called Murder House. So it's 1983 and young, young Moira is making the bed and a man is staring at her while he is having a drink. He begins to like grab her and she tells him to stop and how she really needs that job and how that the last time they, you know, it was a mistake and that she was just lonely. He offers her a Camaro, which is such a bro thing to do. Well, it's such a horrible thing to do. Like, what a fucking asshole. He's like, uh, you want a Camaro? The dealership just got a shipment of them today. And uh, before she, and then she says no. And um, so she says no. And he is an asshole. And a sexual harasser and a rapist and he just starts to manhandle her and and he begins to assault her as he covers her mouth and she begins to cry we then see a woman walking down the hallway and she's like in the house but she's walking towards the room and we see that she's carrying a handgun and she goes inside the room and she shoots she first like shoots at the mirror before she points it at Moira and she shoots her right through her eye. We now see that the woman that shot Moira is actually a young Constance and she looks at her husband and she tells him, I've loved you since I was 16. And her husband tells her that Moira did not mean anything and Constance just aims her gun at him and she says, you broke my heart for the last time. And then she shoots him through the chest. And then she just shoots him two other times, a little overkill moment. And she goes and sits down by the bed and she begins to take off her earrings. And then she has like a panic attack before she starts sobbing. And then she just lays down by her husband's dead body. Cut to Vivian uh, telling Ben that they were uh, that they were getting back to like normal, that they were getting it back to her trusting him. And Ben explains that he was trying to protect her and Vivian tells him not to turn it this into a heroic act. Ben tells her that there was no way he could have predicted that their financial advisor was going to screw up their investments that badly and how he he had always made them money before. Y'all thought Vivian had found out about Hayden, huh? Y'all thought she had found out that he went to Boston because that's my first thought when I rewatched this. (laughs) Vivian tells Ben that she's pregnant and that she can't live in that house after what happened to them. Uh, And now that they're now they're going to have to since they're broke. Ben explains that they're not broke and that they have money, but it's all tied up in the house and how once they resell it, they can get all their money back. Vivian argues that she can't wait till they sell the house and that she will find a job, but Ben tries to tell her that the stress can put her and the baby in danger. Ben tries to compromise and tells Vivian that they can rent a condo or something, but that they have uh, they need the house since that is where his office is at and that is where he sees his patients. He also tells Vivian that what she has is PTSD and that they need to get her to see a therapist right away that is covered by their insurance. But he like mansplains, like mansplains this part and Vivian is over it. Vivian tells him, don't make me feel like I'm crazy. And she tells Ben that she's going to talk to the realtor tomorrow and explain their situation. And hopefully they can find a small house with a backyard. And she warns him that if she that if he ever lies to her again, that they will be through. 
for real this time. Ooh. It's the next day and the realtor is telling Vivian how horrified she is about what happened to them and that she can't she can understand why she would be feeling anxious. And Vivian corrects her and she's like, not anxious, angry. The realtor tells her that that is how she felt after the previous owners did what they did and after she found out how perverted they were. And Vivian cuts her off and tells her how they have to put the house back on the market and that they have to make back everything that they put into it. And the realtor just tells her that she needs to adjust her expectation. And Vivian tells Marcy, the realtor, that she owes her family since she did not disclose the full truth about the property. And Marcy's like, I'm sorry, dear, but the law requires us to just disclose any deaths in the premises in the last three years so that she basically did her due diligence. Uh, Marcy starts going off on Vivian, telling her that nobody looks out for her and how she would kill to live in the in, in a house like the one they're living in despite its history and how she thinks that she should find a more seasoned realtor to resell their home. Vivian gets sassy and asks, don't you think you do you think you're my first call? And she tells Marcy how she contacted every realtor in the city and how no one will take their listing. If Vivian tells her that tells her what the plan is, that Marcy better work her ass off to get that house sold and that she needs to do everything in her power to do it. And then Vivian and her uh, and her family are going to go live in a nice, safe house. And that and that once that happens, she won't sue Marcy for gross negligence cut to ben in the kitchen and he's smelling the the coffee pot and Mo young moyer walks in and sexily says it's fresh i just made it and then ben just stares at her hungrily as she walks out of the kitchen then it cuts to constance rummaging through the Harmon's nice cutlery and moyer walks in and frightens constance Constance tells Moira that before she steals that knife from the Harmon's collection, Moira should polish it. And she tells Moira that if she was a good, ma a good maid, the knife wouldn't be dirty with corrosion. So we basically find out that Constance is stealing stuff and then reselling it on eBay. And that is what she plans to do with the cutlery and, how, and then how Moira would be the one accused of theft. Uh, since, I mean, she's the maid, and obviously the maid is the one that usually gets accused of, of, of stealing. And Constance is like, well, you are a thief of weak husbands. And then Moira yells out, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm frightened. I miss my mother. Constance asks, do you think I want to stay in this, in this place of death and rot and regret? And she tells Moira to find some dignity in their situation and to just pass on already. Moira exclaims that she can't and that she's stuck there, and Constance tells Moira that every time she begins to feel bad for her, she reminds herself that Moira is the one that put herself in that situation, and that every time she looks at her eye, the one she shot through, she remembers that she is, and she continues to be, a hell of a shot. Ooh, that was such a good line. The delivery of this line. Mwah. Miss Miss Jessica Lange. Oh, so good. What a fucking actress. Moira tells her that uh, to Constance that she needs to pay for what she has done, and Constance tells her that she does pay every single day of her life. Cut to Ben in a session with a new client, and she's explaining that she's on, at the end of her rope, and how her and her husband are supposed to sign the, the divorce papers next week, and she says, 23 years gone with a stroke of a pen. And how she's really upset and that she wonders if she'll ever be able to love or be loved again. 
Ben wants to know what the reason for the divorce is, and the woman responds that her husband thinks that she's very boring and how she has tried to talk to him about, about a variety of different subjects and that she even learned the names of the sports team he follows and that she memorized them all for him. And she explains that she's really good at memorization and that she is an accountant, but she's branching out to do to taxes. While she's talking about her situation, Ben is literally being bored to death. And then he gets disoriented. And then it and then all of a sudden it cuts to him outside of his house and he has blood on his hands. And there's a fresh dug grave under him. He had a blackout. So we, we're back inside the house and young Moira is in all force trying to get the stain of blood off of the floor. Ben asks her what she's doing and she tells him that she's cleaning up his mess and he's confused. And she's like, well, it's not my blood. Ben asks how long she has been out there and he wants to know if she saw anything and Moira responds, I did not see anything if anyone should ask and mentions that she is very discreet. Moria tells him that she cleaned there first so that he is ready for his next victim, I mean patient, and Ben freaks out when he notices that his tape recorder is not there, and then he asks Moira if she grabbed it, but she tells him that she never touches the things on his desk and how she only takes care of the stains. And she asks, do you want to make a new one? Ooh! <laughs> And he pushes her away and she starts trying to arouse him. And then he turns around and firmly grabs her and yells, I am done playing this game. You are fired. And at that same precise moment, Vivian comes in and asks, what the hell are you doing? And then we see Moira turn around. And then well, from uh, Vivian's point of view, Vivian is seeing like Ben grab an old lady and tell her that she's fired. So basically elder abuse. <laughs> Cut to Ben explaining to Vivian that he did not want to get physical with Moira, but that he had no choice and how he has denied every advance that Moira has given him uh, while she's all bending down and unbuttoning her shirt. And then we see that Moira is also in the room. And then we see it from like Vivian's point of view. And it's this old lady and she's like, it's obvious that my days of romance are long gone. And Ben asks, is that why you prance around in that little maid outfit like you're headed to a fetish ball? <laughs> Can you imagine, can you fucking imagine this interaction from Vivian's perspective? Look, Ben is like a very handsome man. And then Vivian, well, she's like an attractive woman. And then like from Vivian's perspective, Moira is like an older lady with like red hair and like a black mate's outfit, like a long skirt or whatever. But from Ben's perspective, Moira is like a 20 something with a slutty maid costume. And then so it's just like, can you picture this interaction? I, if I was Vivian, I would think that I'm going fucking crazy like what the fuck do you mean this old ass lady is coming on to you and that you're trying to fight her advancements what do you mean <laughs> um so then Vivian calls out Ben's attention for overstepping but Moira tells Vivian that she is not naive to the ways of man and their needs to objectify and conquer and how men see what they want to see and how women always see the truth Ooh do you get what's happening men always see what they want to see mm. ben asks if this is what she does and trap employers and moira explains that she knows tensions are high with everything that has been going on and that she is willing to look past today's incidents because she needs the job the job since times are tough 
Vivian thinks about it for a bit and then she tells Moira that she thinks it would be better if she just and then she like trails off and then Moira yells just leave you're going to take me out like a piece of trash and then she tells Vivian that if Ben ever puts his hands on her again and or they try to fire her with an unjust reason that she will be pressing charges and then she's just about to leave and she lets them know that she changed the sheets in their bedroom and washed Violet's towels and then she says if you don't mind I would like to take a longer a longer lunch than usual. I'm quite shaken. And then she walks out. Uh, as soon as Moira walks out, Ben tells her that she's lying and how he knew they shouldn't have fired her. They shouldn't have hired her. And Vivian tells him that she thinks that his indiscretion in Boston really screwed him up and that uh, and that, that is why he's acting up and being all paranoid and crazy because of the guilt of, sh of cheating on her. She tells him to get, to get it together because she wants to get out of that house and that she hopes to do that without a lawsuit on their hands. Cut to Vivian gardening, gardening in front of their house and she sees the tour bus the tour bus for like the famous LA murders stop right in front of her house. We then see Violet uh, smoking a cigarette outside of the house and Ben like comes up and tells her that he's not there to like bust her for smoking uh, after what happened to them last week. And Violet tells him that she's fine and how that experience will make a great college essay in the future. Yeah, being f in a fucking home invasion is going to make a great college essay. <laughs> Ben tells her that if she ever wants to talk to someone, that she can come to him, and Violet thanks him and tells her him that she will think about it. Ben walks away, and as soon as he does, we see that Tate was hiding around the corner, and he comes out and tells Violet that Ben is a great dad, and how he can tell that he really cares, and Violet is, and that Violet is lucky. And then Violet gets a cigarette, and Tate lights it for her. Oh my God! This okay? The act of a man lighting a cigarette for you is so sexy to me. Sometimes I wish I was like a social smoker so that I could get a man to light it for me like that. Like, what? But also, I don't want to have an addiction. So I guess that's good that I'm not a social smoker. <laughs> okay, uh, we then see Ben approach Moira asking her where his tape recorder is and how he needs it for work. And Moira offers him a coffee, but he just says that he does not want a coffee and that he wants his tape recorder and that it was in his office before she cleaned up. And she says, well, it might be down the front of my dress. All you have to do is reach in between my breasts. And then Ben calls her sick and she just rolls her eyes and says, I hope it's not a problem. Your next patient is in your office. Ben is confused, and when he goes into his office, he tells the patient that is turned away from him how he did not have her in his schedule, and then the patient turns around, and it's Hayden, the fucking mistress, my dude. Ben asks what she's doing there and how this is his house, and Hayden tells him that she's not stupid and that she waited till she saw Vivian leave. And then Hayden sits down and tells him that she just wants to talk. Ben tells her that not in his house and how he called her a dozen times since he left Boston. And Hayden tells him that he left her there without a word, all by herself. Ben tries to explain that there was a home invasion at his house and that he had to come back. And Ben asks if everything went all right with the procedure. And Hayden reveals that she did not have the abortion and that she decided to keep the baby their baby. She also tells him that she's moving there and that obviously he will pay for everything and that she already started looking for places and how she really likes Marina Del Rey.
Ben tells Hayden that he loves his wife and his family and how the move to L.A. took everything he had so he can't give her financial support. And Hayden interrupts him to say that she is not a whore and how she matters. There's a ring at the door and, and Ben goes to open the door and it's a detective and he wants to talk to Ben. Hayden comes downstairs and she tells him to meet him tomorrow down the street at Norm's, I think, at 3 p.m. And she just leaves. The detective uh, comes into the house and Ben explains that he told the other detective everything and how his wife and daughter were the ones terrorized during the home invasion. The detective tells him that they're that he is there in a different matter and how he's with missing persons and that he is there to ask him questions about a patient of his, Sally Freeman. Ben tells him that his first session with Sally was on Tuesday and the detective lets him know that Sally's husband hasn't seen her and then and then Moira comes into the kitchen and the, like the detective sees her and he explains that Ben might have been the last person to see Sally before she disappeared and how she was scheduled to go to a PowerPoint class, but that she did not show up for that. Ben tells the detective that he can't disclose what he and Sally talked about, but that what he can say is that it was nothing extreme. And the detective tells him that he's not surprised, and that everyone he talked to revealed that Sally was the most boring person they had ever met. Well, I mean, if she was going to take a PowerPoint class, that says a lot. Huh? <laughs> Moira walks out of the kitchen, and the detective turns to Ben and he's like, how do you get anything done with a maid like that? And then he gives Ben his card and tells him to give him a call if he sees or hears anything from Sally Freeman. Cut to Vivian in the famous murders in L.A. tour bus and she gets to uh, she gets to the location that's in front of her house. And the tour guide explains that the house was built in 1922 by Dr. Charles Montgomery and how he was an acclaimed surger, surgeon. Surgeon take like three shots to the stars and his wife was a socialite. The guide explains that when Ch Charles came onto hard times, he became addicted to drugs and then de developed a Frankenstein complex. We see a flashback of Charles down in the basement and he's the one that had body parts in glass jars like the ones we saw in the first episode when the twins got killed. And uh, we see his wife go down to the basement and, and yells out um, like, to tell Charles to go upstairs. And then he's like, for God's sake, I'm working. His wife is like, working? I wish. And then she tells Charles to come up for dinner and he takes another puff. So he does like the, you know, like the mask that you put on when they're about to put you to sleep, like when you go to surgery, the ones to cover your mouth and then you come back. So he takes a puff of that. That's what he like takes a puff of. Uh, and then he goes like upstairs and for dinner and at the dinner table, Charles looks at their infant baby and he asks his wife what she has done with the child and how he can't even tell if it's a boy or a girl. His wife calls him a disgrace and how she does not know how he can call himself a man and how she did not come down all the way from Philadelphia for their for what their current life is. Charles reminds her that he built her that house exactly how she asked for it. And Nora, the wife, complains that they only have two servants and that she's expected to do everything else. Ma'am, you have two servants? Two servants? What else are you expected to do? Uh, wipe your ass while, when you shit? Like, what? <laughs> and then we see Charles get up and serve himself some wine and Nora tells him to just go ahead and drink his talent away. But Charles... Charles tells her that one day they will write about him in the Boston Medical Journal. 
Nora laughs and Charles throws his glass across the room and then the baby starts crying and Nora rings a, a bell and a maid comes into the kitchen and Nora scolds the maid for not getting there sooner and she tells him to take the baby upstairs. Nora tells Charles that the bill collectors came to their house again and she tells him that he will provide for their family one way or another and how she arranged for a girl to come uh, to the house tomorrow with $60 cash and that she is in trouble and that she will probably tell her friends. We then see the girl get there and Nora helps her put on a hospital gown and she comments on how she's such she she's such a pretty girl, but that she can't be famous if she has an obligation tugging at her skirt and for her not to worry because no one will ever know but that she needs to pay first. And Nora uh, gives her something to drink and then we see Nora guide the woman to the basement and she tells Charles to hurry before the drugs were off. So back in present day, and the guide is explaining that an estimated two dozen girls went under Dr. Montgomery's knife, thanks to his wife's Nora, but then in 1926, the reign of terror came to an end. Then Vivian looks down and notices that she has bled through her pants, and she tries to cover it off, uh, but then she gets off the tour bus and starts running towards the house, and the guide tell, yells at her that she can't go in there, but she yells back that it, that, that is her house. We, it then cuts to Vivian at the doctor's office and Ben is also there and the doctor assures Vivian that the baby is fine and that she just had some mild spotting. The doctor tells Vivian not to add any more stress into her life and Vivian brings up that they were having issues with their house and that they're going to put it in the market and the doctor says, read my lips, no moving while you're pregnant. Ben seems relieved about this statement and the doctor also mentions that death, divorce, and moving are the most stress-causing situations during a pregnancy and that the high levels of stress can, can lead to a, to a spontaneous abortion. Then Ben gets a little woozy and he tries to excuse himself, but as he gets up, he faints and falls to the floor. And then the doctor tells Vivian that Ben is not the first father to faint in her office and how they will run a few tests on him. But Ben lets them know that he is fine. We then see Constance is outside and she's walking two dachshunds, a tan and a black and tan one. I have two dachshunds. My dachshunds are called Mali aka Maliberta and Caritino aka Cari um and they're they're both uh so Mali is a black and tan and Cari is a tan like a red tan dachshund and I love them so much and I just love seeing them portrayed in media <laughs> uh petition to get more dachshund portrayal in uh tv shows and movies thank you thank you very much <laughs> but the, besides the point irrelevant so Constance is walking those two dogs uh, like right in front of uh, the Harmon's house. And then she looks at the, at the window and she sees that Tate is standing in front of the window and she waves at him. But Tate just stares at her and does not wave back. And after a few seconds, he walks back into the shadows of the house before walking away from the window. Constance is left there feeling like confused and she looks kind of sad and then we notice that the realtor Marcy witnessed the whole interaction but only from Constance's end uh, so when she looked up at the window Tate is no longer there anymore so she just thinks that Constance waved at someone that was not there. Marcy clears her throat to get Constance's attention and then Constance regains her composure and as she walks by Marcy she says good luck selling this lemon. Cut to Ben speed walking and like out in the town and then Laurie Harvey appears from out of nowhere and he tells Ben that he likes it when he doesn't run since it's easier for him to keep up and Laurie Harvey is the guy with the burn face 
Ben tells him to leave him alone, and Laurie asks Ben if he can run lines with him. <laughs> like, so random. But Ben is like, I don't want to run lines with you, Laurie. <laughs> like, and Laurie is like, someone is cranky. I'm guessing it didn't go well in Boston. Boston. Bond tells him that it's none of his business, and Larry just comes out and says that he needs $1,000. Ben tells him that he's fucking crazy and that he's not going to give him money, and Larry just tells Ben that he needs the money for headshots, then he's going to become a famous star. <laughs> ben tells him not to come near him and that if he bothers him again, it will be a problem, and then he runs away. We then see Ben like rummaging through his office and making a mess as if he's looking for something and then when he's looking in between the cushions of his couch he blacks out and ends up outside waking up wake waking up in the grass right next to a shovel constance comes out of nowhere and tells him that he's not going to find any gold in there and then she asks what he is doing down there and ben confesses that he doesn't know and that he keeps finding himself waking up in the same spot Constance tells him that it's probably the stress of having a teenage daughter and a pregnant wife and how his business hasn't prospered yet and that she can tell by the lack of cars parked in front of their house. Ben gets a shovel and begins to dig and Constance warns him that the soil in the property is toxic and that nothing will grow and that her advice is just to cover it up and to build something there. And then we see Moira peeking through the window during Constance and Ben's interaction. And Constance notices Moira and she just stares back at her. Cut to Vivian looking for a condo or an apartment in the newspaper listings. And then the doorbell rings and she goes to the front door and she looks through the people and it's Nora, Charles's wife. Vivian asks if she has an appointment to see the house, and Nora replies that she does. Then Vivian tells her to call the realtor, and Nora is just like, oh, I could come back another time. But Vivian decides to open the door for her, and Nora comes in, and she she's immediately enlightened by the warmth of the place. And she's calling out the specific wood being used and, the, and how the glass for the windows. Um, you know, she just, like, calls it out by its name. And as if, as if she didn't pick them out herself, as if Charles didn't, like, create that house himself. Uh, <laughs> Vivian uh, next takes uh, Nora to the kitchen, and then Nora freaks out when she notices that the kitchen has been modernized and remodeled. And she's confused by, like, the modern devices around the kitchen, especially, specifically the pasta arm that's right next to the stove. Uh, and Vivian explains that a pasta arm is like if you're like filling up a big pot of like a big pot with water. So like the pasta arm is just there and it's like easier to do that, whatever. So Vivian is like, oh, if you decide to buy the house, I will have the pasta arm removed. And and then she's like, oh, um, and then Nora asks her for like a glass of water. Vivian is like, oh, I was just about to make myself some tea. Do you want some? And Nora is like, okay, sure. And then it cuts to Vivian hitting up the water for the tea in the microwave. And Nora tells her that if she does buy the house, she will also have to get rid of that machine. Vivian tells her that she's also conflicted by the microwave uh, and um, for her and her family. Or like, she's like, oh, we are also conflicted by the microwave. And Nora's like, we? And she wants to know if Vivian has children. And Vivian tells her that she has a teen daughter and that she's currently pregnant. Nora, Nora says, really? I had a child once and like she's about to like she looks like super sad 
but the microwave beeps and then Vivian turns her way to grab the tea, like the waters, and then the camera pans. So the camera does this thing where it pans behind Nora. So we're able to see the back of Nora's head and we can tell that she has a wound in the back of her head. And then when Vivian turns around from getting the waters from the microwave, Nora is no longer there. Cut to Ben digging a, a hole in his yard. And then the detective from earlier gets there and tells him that they found the missing patient, Sally, and that she had his tape recorder when they found her and that they had admitted her to University Hospital where she was found. Uh, so the reason for her being at the hospital was due to a failed suicide attempt and how she took a lot of pills. And since she came in without an ID, it took a while for the hospital to identify her. The detective mentions that if Ben had mentioned Sally's state of mind, that they could have found her sooner. And Ben reminds the detective that he's bound by doctor-patient confidentiality. The detective asks who Ben is trying to protect, if Sally or himself. And then he plays uh, the like the tape recorder and we get a flashback scene of Ben's session with Sally and Ben was basically disassociated during the session and then Sally was yelling at him that he was worse than her husband and she's telling Ben that she's paying him to help her through a crisis and how the least he can do is pretend to be interested and then she begins to yell I'm in pain I'm in pain the least you can do is pay attention to me and then she asks what she has to do to get his attention kill myself and then she grabs a knife and she cuts both of her wrists right in front of Ben. And that is when Ben snaps out of his disassociative state and he goes towards Sally. So we're back in present day and Ben is telling the detective how he did not do anything and that he heard it on the tape and that she did it to herself. The detective is like, right, it's not a crime to be an asshole. Cut to Vivian and Violet and they're touring an apartment and the complex manager showing them the place. And Violet is like, hey, can we can I have some time alone alone with my mom? And the, the, the complex manager is like, sure. And she exits. Violet starts going off on her mom as to how her and uh, her dad don't deal with anything like the miscarriage or the affair and that they just uprooted their whole life in Boston to move to LA and now that they're going to uproot their whole life from their new house uh, to go to an apartment and that, that they don't deal with anything. Vivian explains to Violet how she has not that she has not dealt with what happened to them in the house, aka that Violet hasn't dealt with the home invasion. And Vivian calls it that they were that they went through a nightmare. And Violet is like, this apartment is a nightmare. Our house has soul. I love our house. And how it's where they and she's like, I remember it as a place where we kicked some ass. And Violet explains that she sees the house as a place where they survived and not a place where they were some type of victims. Vivian lets her know that she loves that she sees see, she sees things that way, but that she is pregnant and that her and Ben had made the, a decision to move. Violet warns her mom that if they go through with uh, leaving their house, that she's going to leave, that she's going to run away, and that she knows how to leave so that they can never find her again. Cut to Ben in the in the phone with the doctor who ran his testing after he fainted, and she tells him that his EKG came back perfectly no, normal, but that they found a laudanum, a, a laudanum compound in his blood panel. And Ben is, is confused by this, and the doctor explains that laud, laudanum was used as an opiate during surgery back in the day, but that it was banned in 1934. 
Then the doorbell rings and Ben tells the doctor that he will call her right back. And then we see Moira walking up the stairs and Ben like calls out to her. And he's like, hey, I know you've been dro- drugging my coffee. And she's like, prove it. And then the doorbell keeps ringing as Moira walks up the stairs. So Ben walks towards the door and opens it. And it's Hayden. And she's fucking angry because he left her waiting for three hours at the norms where they were supposed to meet. He's apologizing, but she's yelling out for Vivian and screaming that she needs to speak to her. And Ben is telling her that she's acting crazy. Hayden tells him not to call her crazy because she's not crazy and that she's just angry and pregnant. Ben tells her to calm down as Hayden continues to yell after Vivian. And Ben grabs her and Hayden tells her not to put his finger or her hands on her. And then Hayden explains that Vivian needs to know and how she needs to understand that he has other obligations now. And she tells Ben that she thinks that they should tell her together. Ben is like, we can discuss that too. And then Hayden comes down for a bit and she like kisses Ben. And Ben is like reluctant, like he doesn't kiss her back, but he's like, He doesn't pull away either because he's trying to control the situation, obviously. Cut to Ben and Hayden leaving the house. And Hayden is telling uh, Ben that that she's really craving a big, juicy. And right as she's about to finish that sentence, Laurie Harvey smacks her across the face with a fucking shovel. Ben is shook as fuck as, you know, someone would be. And Larry just says, Ooh, she's still moving. And he hits her two more times with that fucking shovel. <laughs> ben snaps out of it and asks him what the hell he has done. And he drops he drops him on the floor and he begins to choke him out. And he t- and then um Oh, and then Laurie is like, take it easy. You haven't killed anybody so far. And then Ben goes over and he starts rocking back and forth with Hayden in his arms. And Laurie tells him that she's a goner and that he's literally taking a DNA bath. Ben says she's death. And Laurie agrees. And he yells at Laurie Harvey that he's a murderer. And Larry also agrees about that. But he does say that Ben isn't and that now all of his problems are solved. Now that Hayden is dead and that she was going to tell Vivian everything. Ben tells Larry that he's going to call the police and Larry asks him if he really wants to do that. He's like, oh, Hayden was your mistress and she was carrying your baby. So you definitely had motive to kill her. Ben starts to freak out and Larry tells him that he just needs to clean up before Vivian gets back and how he will take care of the body and how that is not a problem. Like, oof, easy. I'll get rid of this fucking body. Laurie grabs a shovel and he asks Ben what he was what he was digging before and that he's basically halfway done. And Ben gets down on the floor and grabs Hayden's hand and Larry tells Ben, I could really use a thousand bucks. <laughs> he begins to dig and after a few seconds, Ben gets up and runs inside the house and he throws up in the sink. We then see Larry continue to dig and then he, as he digs, he finds the skeleton and it was Moira's body. Moira's body is in the hole where Ben was digging. And then he throws Hayden in there. Uh, as before, Moira is watching the scene from the window. And she and she begins to cry. And then Constance appears from behind her as Ben is putting cement down where both of the bodies are. And Constance says, poor girl. And then she turns to Moira and says, now you're stuck here forever. <laughs> We then see Ben finish building what he built on top of the bodies and Vivian gets there with some iced tea and she looks surprised but also kind of like happy 
And then cut to Vivian asleep in her room, and we see that and we see that Nora, Charles's wife, is sitting in the bed, and her hand lingers over Vivian's stomach. End of episode. All right, fucked up fam. It's the third week in a row. I hope I don't have to explain that I we have a new segment and it's called That Character Fucked Up, starting with Mr. Ben Harmon. Mr. Ben, uh, I know, you know, you're tired, you're going through shit, you have issues at home, blah, blah, blah. Like, I know you're going through it, Mr. Ben Harmon, but... It's called professionalism and it's not it's called not falling asleep while your patient is telling you her most uh, like profound or like her most uh, deep, dark secrets and her feelings and emotions. Like, I know she's boring as fuck. I know she she like willingly registered for a PowerPoint course and she like has great memorizations and she's in accounting and like. Like, yeah, maybe she's a really boring client. What can I tell you, Mr. Ben Harmon, Dr. Harmon, if I may? But I think you're getting paid. You're, Sir, you're literally, literally getting paid to listen to your clients talk about their feelings. And you're falling asleep, my dude. <laughs> and then because of this happening, he like, black. well, later on in the episode, we find out the reason why he was falling asleep but or like blacking out quote unquote but still dude like if you're not feeling good get the fuck out of there or be like hey hey can we reschedule because this is not it like your patient literally cut her wrist right in front of you <laughs> like that's not funny i don't know why i'm laughing but like y'all understand right y'all understand ben fucked up um the next fuck up Hayden going to LA, girl, girl, like it's literally the SNL skit uh, with Megan Thee Stallion, like when uh, Megan Thee Stallion is like talking to like a talk show host and she's like, well, my boyfriend cheated on me, but he wants to move in. Like, what should I do? Should I forgive him? And the talk host, uh, the talk show host is like, girl. And then they just keep saying girl over and over again, but they live different like intonations. Is intonations a word? I don't think that's a word, bro. <laughs> like in different tones. So she's like, girl. And then Megan the Stallion responds like, girl. You know what I mean? But no, literally, um, I don't know why I explained all of that to y'all just now. <laughs> Hopefully y'all learned something, girl. I... <laughs> no, no, but seriously, 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 Hayden, sweetie pie, honey bun. No, this man... Ben, both both Hayden and Vivian, ma'ams, ma'ams, the man you're in love with is literally a piece of trash, like a piece of shit, a turd on the floor. He does not love you, baby girl. Why are you flying to LA from Boston, spending your hard-earned cash because you're a student? So uh, maybe you come from like... um generational wealth i don't know uh maybe you don't but like why are you spending your coin to fly to go see this man who literally who literally doesn't give a fuck about you who was just having a good time with you and your pussy ma'am sweetie pie honey bun 
No. A little bit of self-love. A little, a, a tiny tidbit of self-love. Just, just a smidge. Is a smidge a smitten? Is a smidge a word? I think it is. I think it is. Why am I whispering into the mic? No, but for real. That major fuck up because from this, <laughs> Miss Hayden Darling literally dies, literally gets murdered because she flew all the way to LA to go confront her mans or her baby daddy or whatever you want to call it. Miss Thing, you knew he was married when y'all started fucking. You knew he had a whole ass family. Look, I'm not... Okay. I'm lit I literally had to put my phone down to explain. Look. Look. I've always believed, and I might be wrong, but again, I'm talking from like an I perspective. Like me, these are my thoughts. You might not, you know, you might not agree with them, and that's totally fine. Let's agree to disagree. Look, a relationship is between two people, right? More well, unless you're in a triple or a quadruple. What's the name for like four people that are in love? Oh, that's just an orgy, yeah. <laughs> four people that are in love is called an orgy. Um, look, two people, whatever, whatever your relationship, it doesn't matter. In this scenario, a relationship is between two people, right? And if one of those two people lets or what's the word what's the word that i'm looking for what's the word give someone else an in give someone else that isn't in the relationship an in that is that motherfucker's fault right so in this scenario ben is a hundred percent at fault and i see hayden as this like immature child because in comparison to ben and vivian hayden is a literal child what she might be like in her early 20s i don't know what type of professor was ben was he a professor for like undergraduates or graduate students i don't know hayden hayden looks uh really young here what's that actress's name she used to come out in uh, house of cards uh was it kate omara kate omara or is it her sister because there's two that is not the name of her that's not her name <laughs> Let me see. Let me Google it real quick. Hayden from AHS. She is played by Kate Mara. Okay. Okay. I was super close. I was super fucking close. Okay. But she looks super young in here. Like this was way before House of Cards. Uh, and she tragically gets murdered there too. Oops. Spoiler alert. <laughs> by a man. Um, by the president of the United States. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Just in case you didn't get all the spoilers that you needed no but she is a dumb girl and this is ben this is what happens when you give an end to a dumb insecure little girl into uh an adult relationship she flies over to la to confront you not only you because later later she goes and then wants to confront vivian but sir oh my god such ben Ben is like the fuck up king. Not like a, like king used in a good term. Like you're a fucking idiot. Again, turd. <laughs> Another fuck up. Ben, again. Oh my God. And the fuck up king uh, award goes to <clears throat> Dr. Ben Harmon. 
you you're you know you know your ex-mistress is in town right you know this you know this you agree or she agrees to be civil and she's like okay let's meet at 3 p.m tomorrow it's fine let's talk about it and you don't show up sir sir obviously world war three is about to start if your pregnant ex-mistress baby mama is waiting for you for three fucking hours, my dude. You couldn't even text her. Where was your phone? Where was your fucking phone? Like, I know this show came out early, like, mid-2000s, but everyone had cell phones already. Didn't even give her a heads up. So, yeah, fuck up, which leads to her getting there and acting fucking psycho, as, as she should, honestly. Like, I'm not defending Hayden for doing what she had to do. I Like, if I was in that same position, first of all, if someone doesn't want me, that is their loss, right? Like, if you want to walk out, I'll open the door for you, my love, my sweetheart, my honey boo-boo. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like that. I don't know why I'm talking like that. But, like, what, what was I saying? What was I fucking saying? Okay, yeah, that I would have never done what Hayden did. Well, I don't know, push me to the edge a little bit. And, you know, I think everyone is capable of losing their fucking mind if they're pushed to the edge. And I think Hayden was pushed to the edge. What else? Um, I think this is a fuck up for Moira. And Moira doesn't really fuck up. Well, two big fuck ups for Moira. First of all, drugging Ben. So we find out in the episode that, you know, Mora was drugging Ben so that he could dig up her grave and move her bones. But, like, I don't know what, like, the, the dynamics, be, like, behind it was. Like, she was drugging him with, like, the other ghosts, like, Dr. Charles's Montgomery's, like, little, the, uh, the thing that he smells for surgeries, what he would use for surgeries back in the day. But then he was, like, blacking out and, like, unconsciously like digging up her grave so like i don't know how how she was maneuvering ben to do this but she was right and i think she fucked up because she she lost control of it obviously didn't get him to actually do it and then when he wakes up there again uh constance is there and she's like sweetie pie this soil is horrible don't try to plant anything why don't you build something here why don't you build like something and we know that you know Constance's words end up influencing Ben at the end of the episode but but Moira's original fuck up Moira's original fuck up was sleeping with Constance's husband when she was young and she continues to pay for it and we know we don't know what like the what happened in that scenario we know like that the second time that he was trying to like hook up like no he was literally trying to rape her um the second time where he was like coming onto her he was being like super aggressive and she was saying no but when she did like hint at the fact that you know like it was a mistake like so she was like a willing participant the first time but it was a mistake big mistake Big mistake. And yes, I'm talking about the meme of Miss Big Steak. 
Oh, I can't. Because Constance, Miss Constance does not forgive and she does not forget. She does not forget. So she is beaming when she finds out that Ben built that gazebo and she's standing behind Moira. And she's like, you're never going to leave now, honey. Sweetie pie. Honey boo boo. <laughs> I'm delusional right now. And let's move on to the Savage of the Week award. Uh, bro, Larry Harvey like smacking Hayden across the face and then um you know like when he's like oh she's not dead she she's not dead yet smacking her again like a couple more times with the shovel and then right after being like damn I could really use some I could really use a thousand dollars like what <laughs> literally literally no care in the world just vibes and violence. So Savage of the Week Award goes to Laurie Harvey. Uh, special mention, Constance, when she's like, when she's uh, talking to Moira and reminiscing about what she did. And she's like, whenever I look at your eye, I still remember that I'm a great fucking shot. Ooh, ooh. Miss Moira is, not Moira, Miss Constance is proud of her handiwork. And she's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. And I still got it. So, yeah. Savage of the Week Award, Laurie Harvey. Special mentions, Constance Langdon. Alrighty, then. We have gotten to the end of our episode. Whoop, whoop, whoop. All right. You already know the deal. Follow the podcast on social media, on Instagram, where that show F me up, F the spelled E-F-F-E-D. On Twitter, where that D-A-T show fuck me up, fuck the spelled without the, without the U, so F-C-K-E-D. Um, I haven't, like, said this, but, like, if you want to follow me on my personal, like, I have to, I manage, I manage so many fucking social media accounts, it's ridiculous, so... I have my creative um, where I share, like, my poetry, my plays. Like, if, you know, there's an event coming up, that one is Mariel underscore the underscore creative. And then I have my other personal that it's just, like, for selfies and hot pics of me. And that's Mariel VZ underscore 95. If y'all want to follow me on those uh social media, like, on those on Instagrams, that's fine. And if you want to follow me, this is, like top secret information if your family or a co-worker never mind I was like I was gonna give you my Twitter but if you know you know and if you don't know you don't got you don't have to know it's fine yeah yeah my Twitter is not for the week is not for my Twitter's for bad bitches only and I'm sorry I can't share it with y'all I'm sorry I'm sorry if you want to find it go look for it but yeah, and uh, as always, remember, give the podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. This helps the podcast get visibility so other people can listen to my beautiful, beautiful, sexy-ass voice. Actually, I think my voice is very annoying, but besides the point, irrelevant. More people can join our shared psychosis because this shared psychosis, this psychosis that we share... <laughs> Just keep putting, like, the word in different, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm saying. 
what I'm trying to say is, if y'all want other people to join our mental state of mind, give the podcast a five-star review. And and you can even write a little comment and be like, bro, like, oh, my God, I love Mariela's podcast. Oh, my God, that show F me up. That show fucked me up. It's so good. She's so funny and beautiful and talented. And honestly, she's God's gift to earth. And what would I do without Mariela? Like, you know, like she is like she's with me wherever I go. She's so beautiful. Um, she should be a comedian. Wow. She's also a great playwright and a poet. She's a triple threat. You know, you could write that all in, in, (laughs) in the review you leave for the podcast if you want, only if you want. And if you do do that, send me a little screenshot of your reviews and I could, so I could share it in the social medias. But yes, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You don't know how much it means if you made it all the way to the end. I love you so much. And remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.